0: It's the part of little old New York that runs in two times square. our crazy
1: quilt that Wall Street jack mill If you've got a little time to spare, I'd like to take you there. Come and meet those dancing
0: feet On the avenue, I'm taking you to
1: 42nd Street. Here's a beat of Dancing feet.
0: 50s, the and sweet, sexy ladies from the 80s, who are
1: indiscreet, oh, all the side by side, they're glorified, where the
0: underworld can be deleted, 42nd
1: Street. Bing. And we're back. Where were we? Yes, we're talking about our New Year's resolution movies, and I'm going to go first. Please go ahead. All right. I chose a movie from your list. I'm working kind of in chronological order, so the next one up in the list was 42nd Street. Mm. Mmm. It's delicious. (laughs) By Lloyd Bacon. Mmm. Really?
0: That's the director's name. Oh, that's awesome. You thought I was making that up.
1: Yes. Yes. (laughs) So 42nd Street is a very simple story. Yes, it is. it's it approaches these... being a musical but then again it's not. It's about a It's a backstage uh movie. Yes. It's about the making of a Broadway show. Uh, there's a hopeful young actress hoping to strike it big but she, and she's stuck in the chorus line. There's a director, uh stage producer who who has just is coming off of a nervous breakdown and this is his big comeback make or break show. He has a lot of stress going to try to make it great. Yes, and there's an actress who is sleeping with a guy just so they could get money for this for this <laughs> yeah. Broadway show. But she's in love with somebody else uh, who's working on the show, and it's all a whole a whole big mess. But they come together to put on this big musical and. Everybody ends up happy.
0: Yes. Well, the thing to mention about this movie is that you know I mentioned that the movie's directed by this guy Lloyd Bacon. I don't really know much about him. The movie really belongs, though, in in large part to Busby Berkeley. Yes. And
1: explain to us who Busby Berkeley is.
0: Busby Berkeley was a originally, I believe, a a choreographer on Broadway, naturally, and somehow his productions were so outlandish that Hollywood kind of grabbed a hold of him when sound became, you know, a thing in movies. And I don't know if 42nd Street was the first one, um, but around this time, uh, Buzzy Berkeley became really big with staging really outlandish, even outrageous musical numbers. And I first heard of 42nd Street in part because of... Uh, a documentary I saw when I was a teenager called A Personal Journey with Martin Scorsese through American Movies. Uh-huh. And he had a whole section about three genres. One was the gangster film, one was westerns, and the other was musicals. And he showed uh, 42nd Street in the context that you know, here's a movie where, uh, you know, it's a music... you know it's You know, you have this big musical number that you know climax of the movie and it has domestic abuse in it you know he, he choreographs like a scene where a guy is you know beating his girlfriend and then you know murder yes. happens so he brosby berkeley was really out there he also did uh, a couple other movies uh the gold diggers of 1933 and the gold diggers of nineteen thirty five. There were a lot
1: of gold digger movies. Well, it was the Great Depression. People needed to get by. Yeah, the thing was That's...
0: you know, that the, the movie is also very much of its time in the sense that you know you had the depression going on. People wanted to go to, you know, the moving pictures. They wanted to see some
1: entertainment. Sweetheart. Sweet hot, yeah. And you know, so you had on the way you'll hand, buy that whiskey and like it. see? yeah. And you'll get slapped and like it. <laughs> Man. But yeah, um I'm a talking lamb, see? Man. Yes. Uh, talk yeah, to... and here's my friend Ben Franklin. Yeah, I'm Ben Franklin. See, man. <laughs> Sorry, I, I I broke Jack's microphone. No, it's okay. My All right, hand so broke the fall. So it comes out in the nineteen in the 1933. 1930s. In 1933. And Buzzy Berkeley became Col- really yeah. big after this, too. I should
0: mention. Now uh, he's been, you know, look him up. He's he's pretty much synonymous with, uh, you know, almost creating, uh, you know, big, uh outstanding musical numbers and you know staging them in such a way that they really stand out in terms of what you try to make into a musical
1: right so and it's worth mentioning that this comes came out during the depression because it is a story that takes place during the depression about uh people working on broadway and the the point of the film it's a very light film it's not it doesn't have a deep plot but it has a it has a compelling plot yes it's it is it's meant to be escapism for people who are trying to just go to the movies and just think about something else besides the fact that they don't have a job or they don't have any, enough food and it's worth mentioning that the main character the this girl who works who dances in the chorus line yes uh she faints i believe from overwork and hunger Oh, yeah. At least once in the film. Yes. Uh, uh, it's, and she has to work hard on this, this uh, show because this is her job. If she doesn't do her job, she's going to end up uh, back out trying to find another job without much to eat. Yeah, it's not like a movie
0: that... It is escapist entertainment, and yet it's not in a vacuum. It acknowledges the world that it's being made in. And yes, but it's that, not. But it's not heavy. No, and I think that is in a way that's what kind of makes it last for me. Like when I saw this movie, I was so impressed with the fact that you know I was ho- I was hoping to get you know some fun musical numbers, and eventually I got that. Yeah. But a lot of the movie is you know having these characters, and you become invested in them, and you want to see them succeed, and eventually it all builds up to performing you know Forty Second Street. Right and you know it's that's the song itself is you know a lot of fun to listen to and and yet you know it's about you know living in the city kind of having a hard knock
1: struggle you
0: know if you're living in the city life you know it's not always that easy
1: yeah it's and let's mention the musical numbers it does have musical numbers it's technically a musical but the interesting about thing about these is that all these musical numbers they don't happen until the end. Yes. And they happen in the end because that's when the musical takes place that they're performing in. It's not as if uh, th- there's there's a scene early on where uh, the main character is trying to get her dance down. She's trying to learn the steps. And another, and a guy comes up and says, I'll show you. And you expect them to just start into a dance number and start singing no. something. But no, it doesn't happen that the way. It's like they're just covering their dance moves. And then someone makes a joke and the scene ends. And uh, it's a lot of false starts like that because it's not trying to just have music intrude. Like you would have like in a Disney movie or organic, it, it feels very organic. The, the reason that there are musical numbers in this film is because there are musical number. They are musical numbers in the musical that happens in the context of the film. Yes. Like there's a, I think
0: the other song I remember from this aside from the, the song of the title was, uh, like let me stay in your heart. I'm addicted to your time, You're getting to be a habit over me. Yeah, that's the other song in the
1: movie that I remember. There's, yeah, the, the the one that comes uh, after that I think is uh, Shuffle Off the Buffalo, hmm. which is really well done. It's got this huge set. Like yeah. it starts off with these two with this couple. They're in the back on the back of a train car, and then they go in the train car, and the train car unfolds. Like uh, kind of like a butterfly knife, so that they're at the opposite ends of the train car, mm-hmm. and they have to, and they're trying to find this their their uh, sleeping compartment. And meanwhile, everybody else in the in the train car in the sleeping compartments is singing and doing all the different yeah. parts. And it's really uh, it's really elaborate, but they do very simple things.
0: It's the thing is the movie's a musical in the, but it's but it's really a movie about making a musical.
1: Yeah. It's kind of like a weird genre that came before my favorite genre, about making movies. Instead yeah. it's about making a musical. In
0: a sense, you could look at it as being like uh not as psychologically intense uh version of Black Swan. <laughs> That's <You> know, <laughs> a good way of thinking about it. Yeah, you know, it has that tradition in a way. You know, because and and the thing is forty second street was the first of this kind of series of where more of like what they call the backstage melodrama where you have you know as you said all these characters dealing with various things that they need to worry about and ultimately it's building up to the big show. Yeah. And you know and in Black Swan of course that's a bit different cuz there you have a woman that's completely coming undone yes. by performing that. And you know you could say that's a dance movie but it's really about dancers or dancing. It's about the world of ballet. Yeah, the world of Which ballet. is
1: which is Probably one of the highest pre- pressure uh, yeah, arts that you have. I mean, I don't know much about ballet, except what I've seen in Black Swan. But, I mean, ballet is... Uh, what you see in Black Swan makes you never want to have anybody do ballet no, because you'll lose no, your mind. No, not at all. In some sort of Lovecraftian uh, dance number. Uh, but 42nd Street really impressed me. I mean, it's... An, uh, it's you it's can it's an early it's an early sound movie, but it doesn't bother you because it get uh, it focuses on talking on fast talking, good jokes. Uh, I wish I could remember one now because I just I saw it two weeks ago and I don't have the the, the lines okay. inside me. Uh, can you think of a joke from Forty Second Street? I'm sure I could look one up. All right, good enough. <laughs> I'll stall.
0: Uh. Hey, Sweet Hot, what comes after 75? What? (laughs) Never mind. I was making a bad uh, Three Stooges joke. They're they're trying to stall, and one of the Three Stooges turns to the other one and says, Hey, Jasper, what comes after 75? No one says, 76. He says, That's a spirit. (laughs) Ha!
1: Three Stooges aren't very funny anymore, are they?
0: Oh, don't say that. The Three Stooges are awesome. Eh. I love the Three Stooges. You're just... Well, you, I don't know why you're saying that. Man, there's I like, didn't grow up with Three Stooges. See, that's the thing. You kind of have to grow up with them to kind of appreciate them in a way. Um, I, I'm not trying to make it sound bad. Um, <laughs>
1: but 42nd Street is... Oh, here, 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 here's
0: a joke. Um, here. Uh, now go out there and be so swell that you'll make me hate you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So lines like that. I mean you know, this was a time where you had and in a way who, it is
1: kind of a romantic comedy. Yeah. Uh parts of it are. It's it's got the backstage melodrama.
0: I'll tell you one of the interesting things here that I didn't know about until just looking it up again. It's based on a novel. Huh. Yeah. That's weird. That that's quite weird, yeah. And uh that's um but that's pretty awesome. I also um it apparently, wow! Some, this was I—I I, I about this. Apparently, this movie was so financially successful that it saved Warner Brothers from bankruptcy. Wow! Yeah, and people had just wanted to keep on seeing it, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, it was as I said, it was the Great Depression. Not a lot of people had jobs. They had more time to see movies. Yeah.
0: Well, not <laughs> only that, but but it was also—I mean—but there were a lot of movies coming out at that time, and they didn't do all all do well. Right. You know, if something had to click with people, and I think a big part of it was, you know, again, you have, you know, some compelling characters. Uh, you know, a movie that it has is stakes. Not, it has stakes, and the people. It's, a, it's, it's funny, but it's not an outright comedy. Right. You know, it's it's very at that time. I don't know if you could call Forty Second Street. It's not a screwball comedy. It's a little bit more sophisticated than that. Right. But it has a little bit of that element to it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, uh, it's actually, inter- and not only did it save Warner Brothers, the movie actually single-handedly rescued the movie musical, which wow. had been considered a money-losing proposition, uh, before this movie. And I think part of it, you know, you have to think about that, um, before this, you know, sound movies, they were still trying to figure out how can we move the camera with people when we have this giant sound equipment you know people can't move around that much and i think eventually they were able to devise you know these
1: things called boom mics hey (laughs) so now let me ask you a question because there is a time there there was a point in early cinema history where when you did a musical you had to have the actors sing as they performed you mean live yes well yeah now Um, when what when what this is especially true for early sound films because they didn't have the technology to do overdubbing yet. Do you know when that transition took place? I honestly, I could not,
0: I'm not sure. That would be, I have to be look up
1: because that would be interesting because if this is before then, that means that all the people who are singing in this film are singing their own Are are the people who are singing are the people you actually hear. If a person is singing on screen, yeah. that means you are hearing them. Of once, this has a whole lot to do with musicals. Once you got musicals perfected, uh, and sound recording, eventually you could record another voice for somebody else, like in Singing in the Rain. Yeah, yeah.
0: Actually, I thought about Singing in the Rain with this movie. I mean, that is more of a traditional musical. You know, that has a series of musical numbers throughout the movie. Um, that also they, those also feel organic to the movie that's being made there. Not necessarily. But it
1: also well, I feel like. Uh, I feel like Singing in the Rain basically is a movie around that only exists because they want to put music something around the musical numbers. It's like the styrofoam peanuts that are around the thing in your box. <laughs> now that's <laughs> what not a way to say did that's, great that's not Singing in the Rain. Uh, Singing in the Rain is not a bad movie. I, I Singing like Singing Rain in the Rain is
0: one of the best films ever made.
1: I agree, but the plot is subservient to the music. Maybe. All yeah. those songs in Singing in the Rain existed in one form or another before the movie. So they And they piled them all together in this one film. And they wrote a plot around it. I think the, what, and a what, lot of those musical numbers happen for no reason. Or someone goes off on a tangent and they just sing a song. Which is the opposite of 42nd Street. Yeah. In 42nd Street, the songs happen at the end because they are part of the plot. The one thing that
0: I will say, though, is that the Singing in the Rain climax... Is them making the scene for their movie, which is also ultimately um, what we're seeing in the movie, but it's them doing this gigantic musical number that um, exists in the movie. Are you talking about "Gotta Dance"? Is that what I'm talking about? That extended number where uh, God, I don't remember the song. uh... Well, Gene Kelly, and it's very sexy.
1: You know, it's like... He, it's like the part where like he's coming to the big city and he's trying to make his way as a dancer. Yeah. Right, that huge number. But, I mean, that... That's the only that's thing a, I was trying to compare it to. That's a huge number that starts out like in the middle of a scene. It's like, and then we're going to have a big musical number where this is going to happen. Let me tell you what it's like. And then they yeah, go through yeah, the whole yeah. thing. And then at the end of it, the, and then when the musical number's over and they return to that scene, it's like, well, I can't really picture what you're talking about, but we'll go with it. Oh, because I... <laughs> Well, I thought the idea was that they actually made it, well, they do, but in within the context of the movie, it's like this is what it's gonna look like, and then they just do it, yeah, and <laughs> all right, but i maybe I maybe my comparison was wrong, and that's not to say that singing in the rain is a bad movie, Singing in the rain is a great movie, but it, but they're, but, it, but it doesn't, of but the songs aren't organic to the plot, no in uh in actually i'll give i'll give it I'll street, give a better, I'll they give a make comparison. a lot more sense okay i'll
0: give a better comparison nashville i haven't seen nashville
1: you're so un-american shut up <laughs> so let me ask you then why did you choose 42nd street for my list um well
0: i think that part of it was again that just it's uh it's an essential musical, and again, but the interesting thing is that it's not a musical at the same time, mm. as we mentioned. Um, it it displays a lot of uh, technical virtuosity that was unique to the time. Which you could probably look at movies today and say, "Oh, they have more technology to do that," but and but still, a lot of the choreography and the cinematography that they pull off. Especially in that big Forty Second Street number at the end, yeah, it's like you have to see
1: that. You have to appreciate the fact that all those people on camera are dancing. Yes, and I, and in a, in an age where you can easily replace people with a crowd of digital images of one person dancing, you have to appreciate several dozen people on screen at once who are doing their own dance. The
0: timing of that, like you you if you pay attention to it, a lot of that is like one. It's like especially near the end, it's one long shot yeah. continuing. Especially
1: and the domestic violence part yes. you were talking about earlier, and then
0: it pans up to the guy and he's singing,
1: yeah. um, which would be impossible in a real musical. Yeah, um, you could never have something that elaborate it in, makes on it, a stage. Yeah, so I I consider
0: it one of the I consider it one of the essential films of the 30s, and like it and it came and it's definitely one of the best films of that year that came out. And I'm not like a super expert on the movies of nineteen thirty three, but I would say that, you know, Damn after it Jim, I'm a podcaster, not a film expert. Damn it, Jim. Um but there are two films that came out in nineteen thirty three that I think even people who aren't like super movie geeks should see. And one is Forty Second Street and the other is King Kong. Ah. Uh. You know, King Kong also came out that year. And you know, so you have kind of like these two movies, which are, you know, both set in New York, in part. Yes. Um, and, you know, they were both kind of mega blockbusters of their time. Um, King Kong was kind of devised to be that. Uh, and 42nd Street, I guess, kind of surprised people by becoming what it was.
1: Um, but it's all so part of that escapism of, yeah. uh, of, of early cinema, which is kind of, which is what it's kind of an idealization of what cinema is. I mean, if you think about King Kong and 42nd street, I mean, I think they are ideals that we still strive towards.
0: Yeah. So I, I think a lot of those reasons were why I they're films of
1: substance it. that are still escapist entertainment. Unlike somebody else's movies. Yeah. We will not mention.
0: Yes. I mean, there are movies of the thirties that people just saw cause they wanted to feel good. Uh, I think I was listening to an interview previously with Paul Thomas Anderson and he said that, you know, you think like, oh, uh, he makes all these movies about, you know, dark movies about all these brooding characters. And he was like, I like seeing Fred Stare and Ginger Roger movies. I just want to feel good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad. Um, so that's your movie. And yes. you really enjoyed it. I'm glad I did it. really enjoy it. It was, uh, I again, it's a movie that everybody should see and everybody can appreciate.
0: Yeah, it's not... There are certain movies that might be a little creaky, um, and actually, I'll kind of talk like about like The that Great Dictator.
1: Is no, that's that holds up. Not technologically, and Chaplin's like it's Chaplin's sound, like his his speech, it, like this speech he, goes on a little. Longer. I I don't know. I don't think it's not it's not that. It's just I don't think Ta- Chaplin had caught up with the times. He does a lot of inventive things, though, with Sam in that movie. He
0: does, but I mean... Especially the whole aspect of, like, the voice itself. That, like, makes an impact.
1: Yeah. Uh, but, but I mean, other, other films were doing it better.
0: Yeah. It's not one of, like... I don't put it up there as high as City Lights or Modern Times, but... You yeah.
1: Know,
0: it's still one of his major works. All right. Okay, uh,
1: but Forty Second Street is is while very few people comparatively have seen The Great Dictator, I, or 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 can appreciate it. Forty Second Street is a movie that everybody can appreciate. It's just fun, and it's got good characters who you care about. It's got comedy.
0: It's got romance. It's got intrigue. I laughed. I cried. I wet myself. Oh boy, that's 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 a little soft. Um, now I'd like to talk about a movie which. When I heard that you were watching 42nd Street, I decided to uh, pick out a movie, which also is from the uh, early mid-40s, also a movie that was made, if not right before, then right on the cusp of the creation of The Hays Code, which kind of changed movies for the next, uh, like, you know, 30 years. Thanks a lot, uptight people. Yeah, thanks a lot, uptight Christians. No offense. Um... (laughs) <laughs> uh, no, no, Andrew's cool. Um, <laughs> Sit on, sugar Oh, Leo. Your, uh, perp- perp- yes,
1: sir. Perp- Pretty girl.
0: Yes, yeah, she's a very nice type.
1: You got types?
0: Only you, darling. Lanky brunettes with wicked jaws.
1: Leo. Compliments to see you. Who is she? Oh, darling, I was hoping I wouldn't have to answer that. Come on. Well, Dorothy is really my daughter. You see, it was spring in Venice. When I was so young, I didn't know what I was doing. We're all like that on my father's side. By the way, how is your father's side? Oh, it's much better, thanks. And yours? Say, how many drinks have you had? This will make six martinis. All right. Will you bring me five more martinis? Leo, line them right up here.
0: Yes, ma'am. (laughs) But but the movie that I picked was a movie that I've meant to watch for a long time, which was The Thin Man. Yes. And, you know, it's a movie that I I guess I felt a little ashamed that I hadn't seen it in a way, because I really like Dashiell Hammett. I uh, I haven't read The Maltese Falcon, but I've read uh, a book of his short stories uh, called Nightmare Town, which is really good. And so I really enjoy him as a writer, and of course The Maltese Falcon is... You know, one of the classics of the 40s. Um, and I uh, I love this movie. Now this I love is so much.
1: Now this is another kind of... It's also uh, an it's, escapist a, it's also, movie. It's an escapist movie, but it also blends genres really well. You have the detective story and comedy.
0: Yeah, it's... I wasn't expecting it because it's a super charming movie about trying to find out who killed... Uh, a person. Yes. And if somebody is it's, on the run from them. Like basically, what the plot is is that um, this guy, who's I don't know if he's an engineer or an inventor. He's a something. scientist. Yeah, he's a scientist, and he's kind of caught up with this woman, and uh, there's like money. There's no arguments over money. Yeah, and and, and then stuff. he, uh, you know, he kind of tells people, "I'm going to leave town for a few days because I have to invent something or be off on a project," and. <laughs> He kind of disappears and nobody knows where it is. his daughter's freaking out and, and then, then the this woman... woman is found discovered dead who uh was had some dealings with him. Now uh then the the people come to uh Mr. Nick Charles played by William Powell and he's been this guy who's known to be a detective but he hasn't done a case in like 4 years
1: yeah, because his true passion <laughs> is
0: martinis. His he's a <laughs> booze hound.
1: Yeah. He and
0: well, his wife, too, to an extent, but especially him. Um, They both love to just hang out and drink
1: martinis. Like, we kind of get really... In- Do they have jobs? I have no idea. But <laughs> they just live it up. Yeah, well, the thing and they, is and, that they, and they don't care really about anything. Really. We
0: kind of get introduced to them in the first half hour. Like, first we meet them at like this bar or not bar. It's one of those class, it's classy. It's a where Nick
1: is showing the bartenders how to mix. The- yes. A good he is.
0: Martini. And, um, and after that, we also see them at Nick and Nora's place, uh, you know, holding a Christmas party, yeah. which is filled with all their friends, you know, mostly very drunk. You have like one guy who is uh, calling up his mother on the phone yes. long distance. Uh, and, you know, and they are, it has the pacing more of a screwball comedy because they're kind of moving all about this party and, uh, and Nick and Nora right off the bat, man, you talk about like great screen couples. Yeah. They, they are, are just, they charm the hell couple. out. The thing is, you know, what sums it up is like that little moment where, um, Nick is like having a deal with, uh, the daughter of this guy who's gone missing. Yeah. Like, and she's kind of crying and she wants to kind of give herself up to try to help him. And, you know, like Nick kind of, you know, has to kind of hug her for a moment. And Nora comes right in just as he's <laughs> hugging her. The camera kind of shows her looking at him. It kind, of cut, it kind of pans back to him and he gives like a kind of scrunchy face. Yeah. Like, what? And she, the camera go then goes back to her and she gives a look back at him. Yes. That sums it up. It's the scrunchy
1: like, faces make it.
0: Yes. This couple, they share all of this witty barbs at each other. And oh, yet...
1: here's my favorite one. They okay. said, "They said you were shot four times in the tabloids." Yeah. No, that's not true. They didn't get near my tabloids.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but what I love though too is that whatever happened to witty dialogue? <sighs> I don't know. I mean, I guess you have it. Somewhere. sometimes i mean aaron sorkin tries
1: you know he <laughs> 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 wow you, <laughs> well you, you were really willing to throw aaron sorkin under the bus weren't you
0: <laughs> well I, no i just he popped into my head because i suddenly thought about um uh like the social network mm. or like the west wing at its best that was the kind of thing where you have characters who talk uh in very stylized ways. Like, you know that people... Do they always... Do they quite talk like this in real life? I don't know. But it's great movie dialogue. The Big Sleep, which I brought up on another podcast. That's another movie like that. Where the characters talk in this way that is... You know, just fun to listen to. And what I, But what I like, though, is that... Fast talking. It would be one thing, though, if Nick and Nora... If they were just kind of trading these barbs and, you know, oh, who cares? But I really felt them as, like, a married couple. You could tell that they loved each other. Yeah. And, you know, as someone who's been married, I I know, like, this is kind of like what you do. You make jokes. You try to keep things light. You try to, you know, distract yourself from the pain of the world by making comments. And yet, watching this movie, one of the things that I thought was... You you could not really make this movie today in the same way. There are certain things that happen that you just could not do. Like there's that scene where I don't know if you remember this where they're in their bedroom and uh the, the hoodlum comes to their apartment and right. you know he comes and he pulls the gun out. You know, and you know, and Nick's trying to kind of calm him down, ward him off. And to distract the gunman, he punches out Nora and then <laughs> you know then yes. he
1: attacks the gunman. Yes. <laughs> Punching could my you? wife was just the distraction I yeah. needed. Yeah,
0: and then Nora's whole reaction is, "Damn it! I wanted you to see, I wanted you to see him take him out." <laughs> <laughs> you could not do that today. Oh,
1: that's you know, too bad. domestic abuse is not funny anymore. <laughs> All right, Jack. I need you to cool it for a second. Focus. Okay. All right,
0: but this movie is wildly entertaining. Yes, it is so much fun. Um, in large part because of the couple, and the other actors in the movie are fine too. Yeah. They work for what they're asked to do. Um, but it's really the heart of the movie is William Powell, and God damn, Myrna Loy. Mm. Oh man! So I watched this movie literally just last night, and after I watched the movie, um, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit more when we get into our core subject. But I don't know if you sometimes we'll watch something and then get, like, I call it, like, tunnel vision, where you get kind of obsessed with something for, like, uh, maybe just a couple of hours or maybe the rest of the night. Yeah. Like, I ended up, I went on the IMDb and YouTube, and I looked up all this stuff about Myrna Loy. I got obsessed to know more about her, (laughs) because she was really, you know, charming and sexy in that movie. You know, it's like, there are a few things more, like more attractive to me than, like, you know, a confident, witty female. Yeah. And she had that in that movie, man. I mean, William Powell is just a I, lot of fun to watch. It, but they, like, she helps kind of make it because she's, you know, he's kind of more of, like, the guy who's, you know, a little bit more making the faces and a little bit more expressive. And she's kind of like, yeah, yeah. And the funny
1: thing is, is that, uh nick's character he's tr- he's constantly trying to avoid d- taking on this case well, because yeah especially he's not yeah. he's just you know he's been a detective he doesn't really care he cares about martinis he just wants to he just wants to be you know he, he wants to celebrate christmas and new year's and just drink yeah but and sh- and his wife nora is the one who pushes him towards it she wants the exciting stuff to happen, and sh- uh, yeah,
0: she's one of the people who definitely pushes him into doing it. Like eventually, his curiosity just kind of gets the better of him.
1: Right, and once that happens, once he's on board, they
0: work as a pretty good team. They do. I mean, now granted, there are some things that he ends up doing like on his own. Yeah. Or, well, sort of on his own. He also they also bring along the dog. Yes. Yeah, you know that's just that's also pretty cute. The dog helps. Yeah, well, there's also a moment where, you know, like, there's just, you know, like, when I talk about, you know, they really actually are, I believe them as a couple, as a, two people they who love chemistry. each other. You know, like, they're he's about to go off to, uh, like, search the, the scientist's office, like, in the middle of the night. But before he sends out, you know, she gives him a hug, and, you know, she turns to the dog, and he's like, you know, if anything happens to him, I'll, you know, do something to you. I forget exactly <laughs> what she says, but... <laughs> You saw his list just last night. <laughs> uh, I was just looking at Myrna Loy, and it's just like talk, 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 talk. talk. <laughs> wop, wop
1: wop wop wop. Yes, interesting.
0: Um, <laughs> but William Powell was great in this, especially like when um, you know we, we talk about how we could spoil it. Like the, also the last scene of the movie. Um, now I now I don't know if you thought about this, but the the climax of that movie. Reminded me a little bit like I was watching a game of Clue, <laughs> you know. Because he what 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 Nick ends up doing is to try to crack the the murder, uh, and also um,
1: he invites everybody he invites to dinner everyone at his
0: involved place. in the case at for dinner, and he sets them all down and he works out the whole case in front of them. Yeah, and that is just genius to me. You know, that's something that I have never seen in a movie. I don't know if you could quite do it the same way. Again, I think well, Clue who... tried to do it. Or maybe I'm talking about the movie Clue. Yeah. I guess you sort of saw that. Well, I, I mean, don't really remember that, that's that
1: well. That's a staple of the... De- that's kind of a cliche of the detective yes, uh, and, but, but and they murder make mystery it... genre where you're like, you, uh, I, I assume you all know why I've gathered you here on this dark and stormy night so that we could d- discern who murdered Mr. Drew. Yes, but it felt it had kind
0: of a satirical thing to it, you know, and you also had Nora by his side, making all these wisecracks Mm. as he's kind of working through all this exposition. Well, it's just another um, good
1: example of good cross genre writing. Yes, very much. So
0: it's, it's both a fun detective movie and an exemplary, uh, comedy, but it's very sophisticated. It's, um, it's almost on the level of, uh, something like his girl Friday, where I feel this chemistry between the stars so much that it really helps, uh, uh, make it memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now that I've seen it, like I said, now I want to check, like when I was doing my look into Myrna Loy after this, I, I ended up requesting movies from the library to check out more Myrna Loy movies and also some stuff. Cause she did a whole series with William Powell as well. Cause they did five more Thin Man movies huh. this, this movie was incredibly popular with audiences. Um so much so that I read that eventually the public thought that William Powell and Myrna Loy were married in real life <laughs> or if they weren't they wanted them to be. Uh
1: like this was these were in the days before fan fiction. So <laughs> yeah. You, Yes, exactly. People had to find other outlets for their erotic
0: interests. Mhm. <laughs> um so one of the movies that I'm going to try to check out soon for sure is the first sequel, which I'm not sure if you've seen it after the thin man. Um
1: this movie Thin Man 2 Electric Boogaloo.
0: <laughs> no, they had the 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 tiles for their movies. There was After the Thin Man, Another Thin Man. In which they, I think they have a baby. Yet a fourth Thin Man. Yes. Uh, The Thin Man Goes Home, uh, Shadow of the Thin Man, and I think I'm forgetting one other one.
1: (laughs) The Thin Man (laughs) man Resurrection.
0: Thin Man H2O. (laughs) (laughs) Featuring Buster Rhymes. Thin Man the (laughs) beginning. The <laughs> Thin Man the Quickening. <laughs> the the Thin
1: Man rises.
0: Yeah. The Thin Man rises featuring Bane. The
1: Thin Man strikes back. <laughs>
0: the, the the the
1: The Thin Man episode 4 A New Man. <laughs> uh
0: the, the The Revenge of the Thin Man. Yeah. The Return of the of Thin him. Man, uh, cool. Attack
1: of the Killer Thin Man.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, too, uh, the Thin Man refers to the actual character in the movie. It refers to the whinant something. It, it, it refers to the, the, the guy the, the who's the main guy who's yeah, missing.
1: It, it refers to the scientist who's yeah. missing, not the detective. No,
0: and yet all the other movies are you know it's because of that was the title. Yeah. And they just had to kind of run with that. Right. Um but the thing is after The Thin Man features a young Jimmy Stewart. Oh. So that's one thing that I'll be interested to watch. Um and then The Thin Man goes to California. <laughs> the Thin Man goes west. <laughs> <laughs> ah, there's gold in them cases
1: <laughs> the thin man's hair <laughs>
0: right. uh,
1: we're gonna run out of steam doing this uh do you have one more in you uh no but i would like to mention that uh the thin man is one of the inspirations for the thrilling adventure hours segment uh at beyond belief Yes, and it's it's extremely yeah, obvious I as soon as you see the two as soon as now, you see the two of the uh, so was that like naked Nora at that table where she orders five four martinis, she orders
0: them all in a row. Yes, yeah, it's <laughs> like I'm gonna guzzle these down. What I like though is the movie did at least briefly acknowledge that these people can get hangovers. Like there's <laughs> like in the moment before the hoodlum comes into their bedroom. Like, I just kind of noticed that Nick is kind of under the cover. He's like, nah, I don't But then he gets up anyway, and he gets himself a drink. Then he goes back to Ben. She's like, what, you're not going to get me one? And so she goes back. <laughs> he has to walk back to get her, her martini. Yeah. So, I can't wow, stop
1: I, drinking. If I'm afraid if I do, the collective hangover will kill me. <laughs> so was that why you wanted to show me that? Well, I wanted to show it to you because it was an awesome movie, and I was I was struggling for things to find you. But that's why yeah. I saw it.
0: Well, I, I applaud your decision because not only did you introduce me to a, you know, a fantastic uh, classic. Series. Yeah, but also an actress who now I'm but, kind of semi-obsessed with. And, you're but, welcome. But what I bring back to is, like, when, we, when I talked about cr- kind of creaky early sound era movies, like, I started to almost watch this Early Myrna Loy melodrama called *The Animal Kingdom* uh, last night. After I watched *The Thin Man*, and maybe I'll get back to it. But I started watching. I'm like, ah, I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she's been in a lot of movies though that you know I didn't even know about. Like she was in *The Best Years of Our Lives*, which is uh, the classic World War II uh, post-war movie. Um, *The
1: Thin Man* takes Manhattan. <laughs> thin man conquest
0: of paradise <laughs> that took you a second to remember that didn't it uh yeah yeah um so yeah i was uh the
1: thin man the thinning
0: <laughs> how thin can he get we'll find out <laughs> The Thin Man explores
1: dangerous weight loss solutions. Now you're just making me sad. (laughs) It's late. What do you want
0: from me? Uh, But in short, I'm really glad I watched this movie. And, yeah, another 1930s escape... Oh, the other thing I wanted to mention before we move on. Um, This was... I don't know if this was... This wasn't the first movie... Uh, Earlier in 1934, uh, William Powell and Myrna Lloyd did another movie uh, together called Manhattan Melodrama. And what's notable about this movie is that John Dillinger went to go see this movie, and it was there that he was killed. Manhattan? What? At the movie theater. Oh. To see this movie, Manhattan Melodrama. Oh, okay. Like, that was the name of the movie. So William it was Powell,
1: not... Powell and Myrna Loy are
0: responsible for bringing John Dillinger to justice. In part. Well, actually, he Myrna Loy was kind of like, uh, he had a crush on her. And, and, like, his, I don't know if it was his mistress or girlfriend who knew that. And so, you know, when he went to go see this movie, you know, she tipped off the FBI and they surrounded the theater. And then as he was coming out... You know, he got three lead, three lead bullets, and that was it.
1: No, I have to finish my Myrtle Life fan fiction. <laughs>
0: After I rob this bank.
1: So. Oh, man, if someone made a, a movie about John Dillinger writing fan fiction while robbing banks. See, take that, no. whatever your name is, who directed Public Enemies, who you <laughs> just mentioned. Michael Mann. Yes.
0: What would have been even better, it wouldn't have made any sense... But you know, given like the time and technology, but like he should have had like a, a tape recorder with him, like Dale Cooper on Twin Peaks, and he could like make his uh, fan fiction and talk about it while he's robbing banks. <laughs> or well, I mean, because how do you dramatize that? What he's
1: writing in a notebook while he's robbing a bank? I don't know. Maybe he discusses the ideas with people. Yeah, I think we could put that script away for. Yeah, and let's. So let's move on. Meanwhile, I have theory. to get to work on my penetration angst rewrite. <laughs> Instead yes,
0: penetration angst. Instead now it'll be called penetration
1: okay. Anyway,
0: yeah.